0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of the 1044, a new weekly webisode and podcast from the editors here at CCJ Overdrive and Truck Parts Service. I'm James Gillette, and my co-host on the other side is Jason Cannon, editor of CCJ. We'll be hitting YouTube, social media, and your preferred podcast listening app each week with a new episode of the 1044, so go ahead and subscribe to CCJ's YouTube channel if you haven't already, and find the 1044 in your favorite podcast app and subscribe there too. Uh, we're back after a week off of getting our fill of turkey and pecan pie. Uh, Jason, where was your turkey at on the dryness scale this year?
1: Uh, let's see, on a dryness scale, one being super dry, 10 being absolutely perfect, I would say it was a 10. Uh, I smoked it myself, so obviously I'm not going to give myself an F, right?
0: <laughs> right. I'm going to come to your house for Thanksgiving next year.
1: You're always welcome at my house, James. Um, but and Masks were not required this year, so you know, feel free to come on down.
0: Well, this week on the 10:44, uh, serious or joking, uh, Todd Spencer says he's asked President-elect Joe Biden to consider him for the job of FMCSA administrator in his looming administration. Uh, also, notes on COVID vaccines in the back of a truck, and lastly, uh, Nicholas stock price sinks after GM pushes for a revamped deal, and that's just as embattled founder Trevor Milton was on the verge of being able to dump his stock in the company. So first up, under the hood. It looks like COVID vaccines will be deployed as soon as this month, and despite extreme temperature requirements, you know some of the vaccines require uh, temperatures to be kept at negative seventy degrees Celsius, which is right at it's near hundred negative hundred degrees Fahrenheit. Um, reefer makers like Thermo King and Carrier Transit Cold, uh, as well as a few motor carriers who haul pharmaceuticals, say they're ready for the challenge in front of them to get those vaccines moved from uh, manufacturers to clinics and other points where they'll actually be shot into people's arms or wherever a COVID vaccine will be administered. Uh, So Jason, what stood out to you in the recent reporting on uh, how these vaccines will be transported?
1: You know, with as many as 40 million doses supposedly being ready for distribution by the end of this year i think the volume potential is fairly staggering i mean the end of the year's in 4 weeks and and also i had no idea you could get a reefer unit down as low as -20 -50 -70 and you know even lower that's 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 incredible
0: yeah i, I didn't either um yeah and, and you know covid vaccines certainly aren't the only temperature sensitive freight that it- that needs to be moved in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I think one of the concerns is if millions of doses of vaccines uh, get get infused into the freight market uh, and it happens all at once, uh, and it looks like that might be the case, that's going to pose a big challenge, not necessarily for drivers and carriers, uh, because they'll have the flexibility to take whatever loads they want, but a challenge for the uh, entire supply chain at large.
1: Yeah, I was talking with uh, Mike Kucharski, co-owner and vice president of JKC Trucking Thursday morning, and there's some real concern that the influx of what will probably be some high-paying vaccine loads is going to pull a lot of trucks out of other segments to chase that money. There's also the consideration that the freight volume's down slightly as several states have started shutting back down. And once those vaccines start to come online, Mike expects volume to pick back up because a lot of those states are going to open back up. So you're going to have an increased demand in other reefer segments that are competing with the vaccine loads, which could cause a fairly significant spike in rates across the board.
0: Yeah, you know, that seems to be a common theme. And, and several, with well, several of the folks we've talked to, uh, the vaccine loads could hog up capacity. Um, a few weeks ago, I talked to Ben Wisen, who's the CEO of TMS Provider Carrier Logistics, And he said he expected some potential short-term shortages for some goods in some areas, just depending on where the vaccine freight is and and where it needs to be moved and how quickly it needs to be moved. Um, And he also pointed out that it's not just vaccines that will need to be hauled in the back of a truck. It's loads like gloves, syringes, uh, swabs, and, and those obviously aren't big and bulky freight items by any stretch, but when you start talking about tens of millions of doses in the course of weeks or even over the course of months, um, that's more than a few truckloads of goods that need to be moved.
1: And on the warehousing side, because this is a two-pronged approach, right? You've got the reefer trucks and you've got the storage side. Uh, The the warehousing, as far as warehousing goes, uh, the vaccines should come at a fairly opportune time. Uh, Businesses have been building stock for the holiday crunch since the fall, and they've been using that inventory as we enter the home stretch to Christmas, so there's sort of this natural and cyclical storage capacity that it looks like the vaccine is going to dovetail right into.
0: Yeah, it's all very interesting stuff. Um, you know, so, so many so many angles to work through on this vaccine aspect. And, you know, it's kind of been um, something that we've we've just been on the radar the whole year. But then suddenly it's like the vaccines are ready and now they've got to move to market. So it'll be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Uh, all right, Jason, time for the mailbag. So this one is from yours truly. Uh will he or won't he? Uh Trevor Milton, uh the founder and former CEO of Nicola Motor Company, um, which if you're not up to speed on what's going on there, please go to ccjdigital.com and search Nicola. It's uh pretty pretty compelling stuff. Um Milton is now able to sell off his stock in the company that he founded in 2015, which is Nicola Motor Company. Um and it's likely worth some millions of dollars. Uh, But it's actually worth a lot less this week now that GM has sort of forced Nikola's hand in overhauling their previously agreed to partnership on technology sharing and previously equity. And now that deal no longer includes equity and is built pretty much solely around uh, the technology partnership stuff. So, Jason, you've spoken to uh, Trevor a few times over the years. Do you think he holds his stock in the company or do you think he sells?
1: Yeah, James, you're right. I have spoken to Trevor many times since he burst onto the trucking scene around 2015, 2016, but I've not spoken to him recently. So, uh, you know, anything I'm fixing to tell you is kind of based on my opinion. It's not anything that he's told me. Um, But, you know, the terms of his agreement, the one he negotiated with his own company, he could have cashed out Tuesday, but he didn't, to my knowledge. And I checked the SEC's filing page right before we started rolling today. Interestingly enough, Bosch, they did cash out. Um, They sold about 4 million shares. Now they still own about 19 million shares. So it wasn't a complete runaway. But they took their cash, and now they're sitting on those other 19 million shares. Uh, Beyond what the general public has been kicking around, there wasn't a ton of movement that Tuesday. So I think there's a lot of institutional confidence in Mark Russell, who's the guy who's running the show now. I also think the Badger pickup being off the table is a good thing. To to me, I I think that was a distraction. Now, this isn't stock advice, and obviously I'm not speaking on behalf of Trevor here, but if you believe in your company and its mission, and you've already seen that valuation hit somewhere around $100 a share, I don't think you pull the ripcord at around $20, and if you do, it looks really bad on you personally, Because, you know, the SEC and the Department of Justice are already sort of looking at you for your business practices. So I don't think you want to cut bait and run away right now. All right, James, I've got a question for you. OIDA CEO and President Todd Spencer says he wants to be considered for the Biden administration's FMCSA boss. And I find this really interesting because I think most people would see the Trump administration as one that was fairly trucker friendly, at least by some degree. But Todd Spencer often found himself at odds or at least adversarial with the outgoing party. So, James, is he serious or is he just trying to make a point about regulations?
0: I mean, it's really hard to truly know, Jason, you know, without uh, without getting in Todd Spencer's head. But his letter to the Biden camp that that OIDA circulated this week did sound very sincere and very earnest uh, about his interest in the job. And, uh, you know, there's there's no denying that the story is obviously bouncing around all over the place. Uh, here we are talking about it on, on our podcast. Um, and so you have to think that Oida knew that throwing Spencer's hat into the ring would be something of a PR play. But nonetheless, uh, Spencer made some really good arguments in his letter about how long he'd been in the industry and how familiar he is with all the issues that face trucking uh, year in and year out. But having said that, uh, you know, Biden, this entire time over the last couple of weeks has tried to present himself as a unifier. And, um, you know, I think that because Todd Spencer represents just one block of trucking now, albeit that's a very large block, uh, owner operators and small business, uh, truckers, um, you know, but he does represent that one block of a, of a very broad and diverse industry. And so I don't personally foresee Biden going that route, uh, but you can't really say at this point. And, and I don't think it's really a position uh, FMCSA administrator that has even crossed Biden's radar yet. Um, and and at this point, we don't still uh, we don't know who the, the DOT nominee will be as of this as of this recording. So it's still still a lot up in the air. Um, but what we do know is that Spencer says he does want to be considered for the job. So. If you've got a question that you'd like us to answer in an upcoming mailbag, shoot us a note at 1044trucking at gmail.com or give us a call 404 491 1380. Uh, We want to hear your questions and comments, and we will do our best to answer them when the time comes. All right, so time for the last segment of our show Roadside Attractions. Jason, the old smuggler's notch in Vermont is back in the news this week, uh, very briefly on overdrive. Uh, That's the scenic Vermont Highway uh, 108, which runs between Stowe or Stow, Vermont, I'm not sure about the pronunciation, to Cambridge, Vermont, and it's been the spot of several a trucker over the years blindly following his or her GPS unit, Uh, I'm assuming those are non-commercial GPS units, uh, to the notch where they have been stuck uh, sometimes for days because Uh, Not only can, uh, you know, big tractor trailers not get down there, it's very hard to get the equipment in to get those trucks out once they are stuck. Um, The road's very narrow and very windy, and there are no truck signs posted uh, on both ends of it. Um, And we have some resident eyes and ears from the scene. That's trucker Steve Hearn, who's spoken to Overdrive a few times over the years about his experiences at the notch. And he says he can barely get his personal vehicle through there, let alone Um, uh, obviously a large truck. So two years ago, the state raised the fine from $200 to $2,000 for violating that no trucks allowed sign. Um, And kind of a a fizzle this week, though, the state has temporarily closed the notch for the next few weeks, likely the next few months, uh, due to winter weather, making it impassable for all vehicles and not just trucks. So Uh, you know, good news for truckers out there that may be blindly following their GPS units into the notch. Uh, there are barriers, is is my understanding, and they won't be able to get in and and get stuck. So, another, uh, in the long line of GPS snafu stories, Jason.
1: Yeah, I I can tell you from personal experience the uh, following a consumer facing GPS app is a mistake you only make one time.
0: Fortunately, I've never been there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, like I said, that, that was a mistake I made one time. It was completely uneventful. Got out of it free and easy. But uh found my, myself in a spot I absolutely did not want to be in. I was fortunate to be able to get out.
0: There you go. Well, here you are, and, and we're thankful for it. So... Uh, Well, that's this edition of the 1044. Uh, Hit us with your mailbag questions at 1044trucking at gmail.com. That's 1044trucking at gmail.com. With your questions, comments, criticisms, and other feedback, we're happy to hear it. Uh, Or give us a call, 404-491-1380, and leave us a message. Um, And until next week, everybody take care and stay safe.